Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast becomes somewhat regular during the offseason, and yet it is still your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is December 5th, 2016, and this is episode 185. My name is Jake English, and as I am still on your contract, I am still here. If you're listening to my voice right now, you are most likely doing it on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. We're also a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network, which you can find over at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. You can also find us on Baltimore uh, Baseball Talk Radio, which features other great shows on teams across the league. Listen to us on Google Play Music and on iTunes. Please rate and review the show. And lastly, find us on social media. The best place to do that is on Twitter, where we tweet at... Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. Now, we're going to go ahead and skip along to the drink of the week, uh, which is usually my favorite time of the week. It's a little lonely. It's a little lonely here in the podcast studio. So uh, in keeping with that, I'm drinking a Two-Hearted Ale by uh, by Bell's Brewery. It's a fine American IPA. Uh, Two-Hearted Ale, uh, highly recommended. If you're curious as to what's going on with the drink of the week, make sure that you're following us on Untapped. I'm at Jakey4025 and... Sk- <clears throat> I'm at Jakey4025. Uh, now let's go ahead and do it. Uh, let's go to this week on the Twitters and see what's happening in Birdland at 140 characters or fewer. The first one I want to touch on is he's back. This, this is a tweet that comes from Rich McLeod at Rich McLeod. Ioannis Cespedes will make more money by the fifth inning on opening day than what the Mets just got in cash, 50000 for Logan Verrett. That's right, the Orioles have brought Logan Verrett, a former Rule 5 draft pick, back into the fray. And, uh, hey, you know, we're excited to see what happens. Probably nothing, but hey, $50,000, it was worth paying once. It'll be worth paying again. Next, he gone. This tweet is from Jim Palmer, who, of course, tweets at Jim22Palmer. Sorry to see Vance Worley possibly leave O's. Just give me the ball type of guy. Hashtag Jack of all trades. At Mass and Orioles. Well, sorry, Jim, but Vance Worley, he gone. Next, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a look at a tweet from front of the program, Mike Petrelio. He tweets, of course, at Mike underscore Petrelio. That 2014 O's pen that had Miller, Britton, and O'Day and good years from like five other guys was absurd. They should have won 20 titles that season. Yes. Yes, they should have won 20 titles that season. Yes, that is true. And yes, it still hurts. There's no reason to talk about it, Mike. You're just being mean. Next, I want to look at some, well, let's call this piercing analysis. This comes from Craig Calcaterra, who, of course, tweets at Craig Calcaterra. This is a tweet that links to his uh, blog on uh, NBCSports.com. 
But uh, Craig followed it up with a tweet that says, I assume the contract has a clause about his obligatory trade to Baltimore midseason, but the details are not yet public. Yeah, that about makes sense. Uh, it's tough, tough losing Steve Pierce. And when I say losing, I mean letting some other team sign him. But hey, look at it this way. He can either come to the Orioles or the last remaining AL East team for which he hasn't played, which is the Boston Red Sox. Lastly, I want to look at a tweet from our friends over at Camden Chat, and I ask, why don't we pretend this every year? Camden Chat tweeted, if the Orioles don't like Granison at $15 million, let's all stop pretending that they might improve the team via free agency or trade this offseason. Seems relevant. Seems relevant. And with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and run into the first segment. I'm going to play some music. Be right back. Please listen carefully. The offseason. It's officially upon us, and that means that we are, unfortunately, one co-host down. Look, it's a rather unfortunate situation, but it is the cost of doing business in this cutthroat industry that is fan-produced internet content. We are very hopeful that negotiations with Scott's representatives had progressed to the point where we could avoid free agency, uh, and it was something of a shock when he made his intentions known live on the air for episode 184. We've had many emails, many tweets, carrier pigeons, etc. on the topic, and I will say only this, that I cannot comment on ongoing negotiations. It is our sincere hope to bring Scott Magnus back into the fold here at Bird's Eye View, but if that turns out to be a financially and or creatively unrealistic goal, we will do all that is necessary to maintain Bird's Eye View as a competitive content creator in the Orioles podcast space. Now, Scott will make an appearance on today's show that is strictly due to a negotiated contract issue still lingering from last season. In the meantime, well, we're going to dabble. We're going to try some new things here. We're going to negotiate with other free agents. This week, we've taken a page out of the Orioles' playbook, and we'll look for a new market inefficiency. Podcasters from the international market. We've scoured the Orioles' baseball podcasting market in Korea and found it to be well, a little thin, but, but, after watching the successes of Hyunsoo Kim, we were determined to see if this is a viable option for us moving forward. With that in mind, I would like to welcome someone to the program who will serve as my co-host for today. Dung Sun Park, thank you so much for joining us here on Bird's Eye View. This is not true. I don't know what you're is a yeah, that's right. You you speak uh, full-on Korean. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> we are a mid-market podcast, and so we can't afford a translator, and you know what they say about three being a crowd. So uh, we're just going to have to hope that the international language of baseball will carry us through. Um, first, l- let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on the rumors swirling around the Orioles during day one of the winter meetings? Right. Right you are. Yep. I'm going to assume that you said that there's no way that Mark Trumbo is worth $80 million and that the Orioles need to take that money and they need to spend it elsewhere. And what they need to do... 네가 나에게 프로그램에 오라고 했지만 내가 여기서 할수 있는 게 없잖아. 쓸데없는 것들아. 나 이거 끝이야. 간다. 나 절대 전화하지 마. 한국에서 이 포드캐스트 금지하게 만들 거야. Hello? Dong Sun, are you? I, all right, now I may not speak Korean, but that does seem like an international gesture. But <clears throat> well, this is not going well. 
listeners, I, I, I do apologize. This is now the second episode in a row in which you've witnessed hosts that are not on the same page. I promise you, I vow to you that I will make Bird's Eye View great again. I w- hmm, now that sounds oddly topical. Hang on a sec. Um, I'm actually not really sure what's going on here. I don't usually run the ones and the twos, but there seems to be some sort of countdown on my screen. Welcome to Bev is Magnus, and I am the new millennium for all of Baltimore sports talk. Now, for those of you who don't know me, since I was so rudely introduced on this show, I am Scott Magnus, your new hero, your party host, and most importantly, the most knowledgeable sabermetrician to ever enter your eardrums via a podcast. And those, for those who do know me, will all hail the Alatola of War and Woba. Now, when you think of the new millennium, you think of an event so gigantic that it changes the course of history. You think of a dawning of a new era. In this case, a dawning of a new era for bird's eye view. And a new era is what this once proud and rambling podcast sorely needs. What was once a captivating, trend-setting program has now deteriorated into a cliched, and let's be honest, boring snooze fest that is in dire need of a knight in shining armor. And that's why I'm here. Scott Magnus has come to save Bird's Eye View. Now let's go over the facts. Intriguing content? Downward spiral. Factual content? Plummeting. Excellent choice of beverages? non-existent, and reactions on social media, complete and utter silence. And I know why you're silent out there, Birdland. You're silent because you're embarrassed to be associated with us. And quite honestly, I'm embarrassed for you. And the reason why you're embarrassed is because of the steady stream of uninteresting and untalented and mediocre sports podcasters who you're forced to care for No wonder you're not cheering for this podcast and the rest out there in Birdland. You could care less about every single idiot talking Orioles baseball, especially this idiot right across from me at my table. You people have been led to believe that mediocrity in the form of song is excellence. I am your excellence. And now, for the first time in Bird's Eye View history... You have a man now who can entertain you. You have a man who is good enough for you. You have a man who can make you jump off your chairs, raise your filthy fat little hands in the air and scream, Go, Scott, go! Go, Scott, go! Go, Scott, go! The new millennium has arrived for Birds of You, and now I am here, and this podcast will never, ever be the same again. Are you done over there? Well, now that you mentioned it. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you think.
Well played. Well played. Look, Scotty, this is ridiculous. All right, you're here. I'm here. And there are things that are going on in the world of Orioles baseball. Let's just let's sit down. Let's be reasonable. Let's give the listeners a little content. And that is why they are here. All right, Jake, I am in total agreement. I'm here to give the listeners what they want, which, again, is more deep analytical knowledge, which I can bring onto you on a weekly basis. So, Jake, lay it on me. What's the questions that are, you know, diving through your heads as of lately? All right, let's talk about Steve Pierce. All right. I I talked about him before you walked in. Um, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that he signed a deal of this magnitude. I'm a little sad. He's left Baltimore. I guess the question is, are you surprised that he signed a two twelve point five deal? And do you think that the Orioles should have wanted in on that? I, I think we were all expecting um, a, a contract that was going to be minimalistic. I think even when we were talking about it, we said, well, we should be able to get Pierce back on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly looking at a deal that is only basically $6 million per year, that certainly looks like you're getting a very cheap player um, who's put up some great numbers over the past few seasons. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised that um, the Orioles weren't in on an offer for two years for 12.5. Look, Pierce had a great half season last year with the the Tampa Bay Rays, and then he came to the Orioles, and he was injured when the Orioles got him. And by you know that happening, you know we really got no benefit. But some really interesting numbers, I think, uh, for the Blue Jays. Um, Steer Pierce posted a 374 on base percentage, an 867 OPS, and a 136 weighted runs created plus. Edward Edwin Encarnacion. I'm sorry, it's Encarnacion. Uh, posted a 357 on base percentage, an 886 OPS, and a 134 weighted runs created plus. Again, similar numbers from an offensive standpoint. Of course. Um, Edward Encarnacion, um, you know, had many more plate appearances, had met many home runs. Um, but, you know, I guess the Rays think that they can replace a little bit of that production with Steve Pierce. Also get a person that can play in the outfield. Um, and or second base. base. They, they, there was mention today of Steve Pierce <laughs> potentially being second base. But the tweet, I think, from Dar- uh, from um, one of the beat writers for the Blue Jays was, um, they're not exactly sure how well he'll do at second base, which is yeah, it's that was fun watching, but that's not really the case of what we're why we're hiring. Yet. That was not fun watching. I was clenched he, the whole time. Look, he played pretty decent actually. He, he did, he did. So, so yeah, so I'm a little, I'm a little not quite understanding why the Orioles potentially were not in this move. Um, look, Pierce is forecasted to put together between 2.0 to 3.0 F4 over the next three years. Um, so he's easily probably going to match um, what that two for twelve million dollar contract is. He's looking to make you know somewhere in the ballpark of eighteen to thirty million dollars in terms of a a, a war contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought personally that Pierce wasn't going to come back cheap. I thought he was going to come back for right around this point, like six to eight million dollars for two years. Um, again, more so just surprised that Pierce was not tendered a contract. I think it really comes back to the Orioles um, being. I, I guess pretty high on Trey Mancini of fitting that role as the right-handed designated hitter. I would love for that to be the case. So would his mom. <laughs> but I, I have some fears, Scott. Yeah. Is it possible? Is it possible that the Orioles 
budgetary situation is as such that they looked at a guy like Steve Pierce and they said, we like the guy. We love the skill set. We've done everything that we can in the last five years to keep him in the organization. But a two-year, $12.5 million contract is just too rich for our blood right now. Yes. I, I do believe, and especially for a DH. Is that kind of horrifying? Oh, it's absolutely horrifying. It's that absolutely is really horrifying. horrifying. I, I, I really hope I'm being cynical. I really hope that the— Eventually, though, you have to give a chance to certain minor league players, such as a Trey Mancini, to say— Go ahead and try to make that mark. Totally hear you. Yeah. But it in, is scary. Inside the window or outside the window? Yeah. Um, look, it is a very interesting move. I don't know if it's a good move or a bad move. I personally would say you saw 15 plate appearances from Trey Mancini, and everyone's like, this guy's going to be great next year. But we've seen other players come up for 15 plate appearances and do great and never sniff the major leagues again. I admit all bias. I love Steve Pierce with a, with a burning passion that is inappropriate. However, it, it, I can't help but feel that the Orioles not going after Steve Pierce means bad things for the offseason. I don't want to overstate it. It just doesn't feel right. Well, the other things that I guess are on the shopping list, if we're looking at payroll— is the Orioles still need to go out and get a catcher. They still need to go out and go to corner outfielder. And supposedly they are going to need to go out and get now a platoon bat to basically go with Trey Mancini, so a left-handed DH. Um, and if money is that scarce, you've kind of got to prioritize and figure out where are the Orioles going to put their money. So out of that list, Jake, um, where would you put your money if you only had, well, let's say $15 million, basically? Well, I mean, they're talking about... <laughs> They're talking about Nick Hundley being Oof. plan A at catcher. Yes. And uh, that's not going to be too terribly expensive. I think that that is a huge hole offensively and defensively. I mean, look, he'll, he'll do the job okay, I guess. He won't be too negative in, in either department. But Nick Hundley and Caleb Joseph as a tandem is not an exciting one, right? And so you've cut into that now, like you said, $15 million. And now you have an outfield position and a DH that you have to fill on the cheap. I just don't like my options, period. You are not excited to see uh, Angel Pagan and uh, Nick Hunley be your two major signings during the offseason? No, I am not. Okay, well, get get ready for it. Now, I've, I've heard Dan Duquette say that he doesn't expect to, to sign any major uh, free agents in the offseason from the outside. Now, the way he phrased it made it sound like he was not completely rejecting the idea of signing some of his own free agents. So let's do it. Mark Trumbo. Yeah. What is the right price tag for Mark Trumbo? For, forget who's signing him. What is he worth? Um, we've talked about this before. I think he's worth Nelson Cruz money. So I think he's worth, you know, three for 45 or four for 55 to somebody that really needs a first baseman. Uh, the Rockies were interested in him. I think he'd be a perfect fit for the Rockies. Yeah, he'd like a zillion home runs in Coors Field. I think he'd be. He needs to find somewhere where he can be a first baseman. And it's as simple as that. And there is not a first base hole available. When the Orioles went out and got Trumbo last year, it was before Davis was signed. I think it comes back to if Trumbo can find somewhere to play first base, that's where he's going to see the most value. Um, just playing him as a DH he doesn't get the maximum amount of value that you need to see. He needs to be a first baseman DH at best. He needs to play the field. Yep. Yeah. And he can't play right. He can't play right, which we saw last year. I do think it's interesting, though. You know, he'll hit a, he'll hit a gazillion home runs in Coors Field. But the AL East is a nice, is a nice place for him. 
Trumbo there is, is not a bad yeah. park to hit in. Trumbo in is built for basically hitting in the ALEs parks. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, you, you said what you think the market is. It sounds like the Orioles offered him a, a contract right around there, four years, fifty-two to fifty-five million dollars. Right. Uh, he countered with seventy to eighty because he's insane. He's insane, and he also asked for a no trade clause, which right. again is super insane. Um, so def- my, definitely not going to happen. My question to you: Do you see it happening? Um, you know, I, I I think that it's a better chance than any not than anything for the Orioles to still be in the market for Trumbo for a few reasons. Number one, you still have the qualifying offer attached to him, mm-hmm. uh, and number two, with the new CBA requirements out there. Um, I think some of these outfielders and these, you know, folks like Edward Nuncarnacion and even Jose Batista may go for a one-year deal and go back into the new CBA next year and seeing if they can skyrocket their draft value. All right. So I would say it's uh I would say it's a thirty percent chance of best. What do you handicap it as? Um sure. Twenty five to thirty percent sounds about right to me. All right, I like it. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh there was a rumor today about Michael Saunders with the Orioles. Uh thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you think? Thumbs down. All right. Thumbs down because it won't happen, and thumbs down because you don't want him. Thumbs down because if you look at Michael Saunders, he's really not that defensive upgrade that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And at best, he is a, I guess, a left-handed version of Steve Pierce, but not as good um, from a you know historical standpoint. And so, not as cheap. And probably not going to be as cheap. Um, we'll have to see what it comes back as. But you know, I think the Orioles look at it and they say, wow. Michael Saunders does great when he comes to Camden Yard. So, you know, if he were to be here all the time, then he's going to hit great. Well, that's not are, the way it works. Are our guys going to throw to him? Because that would be a, a necessary right. component to the success. So, you know, Michael Saunders, eh, like best fourth outfielder. Um, he does play all three positions, right? He can. The same way Nolan Reimold can? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but so, that's so, not, not a good idea. Thumbs down for for uh, Michael Saunders. I looked at his stats today. Uh, way to run straight a plus, a little above average. But, yeah, like uh, 108 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I would, my gut says a guy that's not to be trusted with regular playing time. Right. That's that's just how I see it going down. Right. All right, let's stop beating around the bush. It's almost like we already have a left-hander that we would play in a platoon situation. What? Yeah, no. That sounds crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, you know about the Korean, so. Uh, well, I do. I do indeed. <laughs> I also know that international language he's so good at. Yeah. Um, the big news that came out of day one of the winter meetings, the uh, Brock for Granderson talk. I think the real big question for me is this. How would you feel about the trade under the following conditions? First, how would you feel about it if you got first half Brock for Granderson? And second, how would you feel about it if you traded second half Brock? For Granderson, because those are two different players. They are two different players, but I guess my question would be, do you ever think you're going to see first half Brock ever again? Nope. I don't think so either. I think that, you know, it was really fun to watch first half Brock, but we kept on saying, how good does he keep doing this? You know, he's got the invisible really working well. I don't think he's quite as bad as he was during second half. I think he kind of got tired. Um, but, you know, to a certain regard, Brad Brock is not an all-star. I mean, I hate to say it, folks, but Keith Law is right. Brad Brock is not an all-star, but... That doesn't mean he can't be a serviceable reliever with some value. Now, that being said, you know, you look at his projected value and at best we'll call it, you know, he's going to be worth about two war in terms of fan war uh, for the next two seasons. Uh, me personally, uh, I'm going with Curtis Granderson in a heartbeat um, and seeing if he can solidify a right field for me uh, for this upcoming year with Michael Givens, Darren O'Day and Zach Burton. Um, those are three reliefs, relief pitchers that I feel like the Orioles can get pretty far with. Um, and in all honesty, um, getting Curtis Granderson out there um, in right field 
is a lot better option than having to go with an Angel Pagan or a, uh, a Michael Saunders in right field. Curtis Granderson is an upgrade over those two at this time. And $15 million, honestly, is really not that bad for a guy that's projected to be anywhere between 1.5 to 2.4 F4. Yeah, I looked at uh, Granderson's stats today. I was actually much more impressed than I was ready to be. Everyone comes back and says, 36 years old, not going to happen. But again, it's one year. He's playing for pretty much his rest of his career. Like, if he doesn't sure. have a good season this year, he's pretty much going to be done. Um, so I come back to he is going to be playing either with a chip on his shoulder or playing for that big contract. Um, One-year deals have a tendency to work out pretty well for the Orioles. Why not go ahead and do it? And again, he's he's playing the AL East. And we, right. we, I, keep, I keep hammering that home. But if you're going to live and die by the, the home run, these are the guys that you need. Sure. These are absolutely the guys you need. Here's the thing about Brock. Whether or not he's first or second half Brock, Brad Brock, I think, is a good reliever. I, th- I think he's a very good reliever. He has value. And I think that he has the most value when he's not overused. And so when you look at a bullpen like the Orioles, if you've got everybody working, right? If you've got Britton and O'Day and Givens and Donnie Hart looks like he's going to be a player this year, a, a, a considerable player, you put Brock, Brock in that mix, and I think he can be almost an elite part of that bullpen. I think if you make him the rubber arm of that bullpen, you're asking for trouble, and that's what the Orioles got. Sure. So I, I think that Brock may almost have the most value to the Orioles or or a bullpen built like it, you know, Kansas City. I hate to say it, even the Yankees, something like that. But at the same time, with the season that he had last year, with the all-star appearance, with all the attention that he got, he's at the top of his market. If the that, Orioles are going to trade him. That's the whole thing. Is this it, is it. it, it you're, why don't you go and get someone and say, okay, he's never going to get any better than this. This is his maximum value. Let's go ahead and trade him now. Um, I personally trade Brock in a heartbeat and just say, we're going to take something good out of it. Look, the Orioles don't want to miss this magic. Right. Well, we should strictly trade him just for that ter- terrible song from his wife. <laughs> but. All right. Last, uh, last question for you. Um, there's been some talk. There's been some talk about Manny Machado, and the Orioles have confirmed that they are not talking to Scott Boris about an extension for Manny Machado. I have so many questions about this. First, do you think that's true? Second, are you surprised by that? Now, was the wording that Dan Gukett said the Orioles are not talking, or he said he's not talking to Scott Boris? That is a fair point. I believe that he said we, but it could have been worded in such a fashion. Because I will come back to last year and say, you know, Peter Angels has been known to negotiate independently. And if you're dealing with someone that's going to be making $400 million a year, you would think that you talk to the big man. You're talking to the big man. You're talking to Angelos basically directly. So my question would be, is Dan Duquette even allowed to have negotiations at this time um, by himself for such a lofty contract? My guess is, hell no. (laughs) No, there was no way. So you think he's a lame duck GM in the Manny Machado negotiation? Uh, I think that... um, Dan Duquette is at the play school little kids table <laughs> and Peter Angelos is at the big executive table saying, all right, if we're going to sign this much money over to one person, I'm the one that's going to be calling all the shots. Ladies and gentlemen, we have done a great service to you today because this audio format allows you to envision Dan Duquette huddled around a tiny play school table. I envision him with a little like Jimmy John sandwich in his hand, just kind of chewing 
Or like those those gigantic pencils that kids draw with. Right. And I'm thinking like in a little like schoolboy outfit, basically. Like the, it's a little too tight almost, you know. <laughs> they take him to the winter meetings and they just ask him to sit in color yeah, for exactly. the entire four days. Right. Just look, Dan, sit there, stay in the lines, don't get us in trouble. Right. Right. I think that's pretty much what it is. You know what? What am I doing? We ch- Speaking of extension talk, what are we doing? I mean, we I came here to talk about my contract and um, give you my list of demands. And uh, frankly, Jake, I, d- I demand to be answered. You demand to be answered? Yeah. I, you know what? I think it's time. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and blow the save, and I'm going to give you uh, my contract demands, okay? I- I- if you don't mind, because um, frankly, uh, you've got enough out of me at this point. I don't think there's anything I could say to stop you at this point. Folks, uh, I, I've given it a lot of thought. Um, That's frightening. I, I, and uh, I really appreciate all the, you know, hey, Scott, we want you to come back. But, you know, I need to take care of my family. This is a business that we are in. And uh, frankly, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life going into next season. So, Jake, uh, here's where I stand. I, I think that based off my previous performances, um, I deserve a five-year contract to serve as co-host for Bird's Eye View going forward. As part of this five-year contract, I'm going to be demanding a no-trade clause and a full opt-out in two years because um, there may be no Orioles team left after two <laughs> years, basically. Well, first of all, I can tell you that both the Baltimoreans and the Orioles Spastics are terrified at the thought of a no-trade con- contract because they have been talking to me uh, for several years now about your services. I don't know. The, the opt-out, I'm just... I'm just not sure it's good for this this uh, podcast. With a podcast of our stature, Scott, we need to make sure that they are as club-friendly contracts as possible. If I go giving you a no-trade con- uh, clause and an opt-out, this podcast will fall apart. But Let but me- I will I will take it to management, and by that I mean our wives, yep. and we will consider it. What else do you mean? All right, so I have five other conditions that i believe have to be met in yeah, order you, to accept you have these a sales. series of conditions sorry, uh, go ahead these are the english manifestos as they were <laughs> so jake english will henceforth never drink a budweiser corona Coors, or any other mega beer product and post it to untapped such efforts sully the good name of this podcast oh but what okay what if i'm at a family party and that's what's being served no you can drink it but don't post it to untapped okay what if somebody buys it for me and it's all I've got and I need to come to SD Studios? Nope, not going to happen. All right. All right. So the next one is Jake English will henceforth keep all skits, rants, and audio efforts to less than three minutes for the betterment of all of our lives. All right. How about this? Moving on. <laughs> Jake English will henceforth have stats prepared for any and all segments and not use the words feels and gut. Unfortunately, I did use both feel and gut. Today. I'm aware. <laughs> but we were still in negotiations. I was well prepared. All right. Jake English will henceforth seed all titles he supposedly won in Fantasy Boss by cheating, by throwing such things as wild cards. <laughs> Someone's a little butthurt, but okay. You know what? All right. All right. And my final one is... Jake English will henceforth admit that the Beatles are overrated and the Stones were and are a better band. Ladies and gentlemen, look forward to the next guest host of Bird's Eye View next week. Scott Magnus, your demands will be, uh, well, they'll be given the consideration that they're worth. 
And with that, Baltimore and beyond, we're starting to get a little heated under the collar in this Ooh. room. Listen, negotiations will continue. Um, That's what the winter meetings are for. Exactly. I mean, nothing gets done at the winter meetings. We've covered this before. So we will see what the future holds for Bird's Eye View. I got to tell you, the Orioles take it all the way to February. I don't have a good feeling with that manifesto of yours, Mr. Magnus. Well, what can I say? Maybe something will be added. Something will take be taken off. Baltimore and beyond with that, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. I choose not to participate in this programming at this time.